It's Monday, February 2nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Held, joining me in studio today from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman, and from Million Dollar Portfolio and Motley Fool Rule Breaker, Simon Erickson. Happy Groundhog Day, gentlemen. Six more freaking weeks of winter. So, Punks Tony Phil, the groundhog, the famous groundhog, called for six more yeah. weeks of winter. But I thought I saw online that there's a Another groundhog, a rival groundhog, a rival no groundhog <laughs> on like Staten Island, maybe. I don't know. You got to go with Phil, though. Yeah, you got to yeah, go with Punxsutawney Phil. So we're just going to assume okay, six fine. more weeks of winter. Darn it! If this episode sounds a little different than previous episodes, uh, there's a good reason for that. We are in a different studio for a few days. If this were a store, there would be a sign-up that says, pardon our dust, because some renovations are going on. Frankly, and Simon, you were asking about this before we started taping. Technical upgrades are what are what are uh, is what's happening uh, in our regular fourth floor studio. So, for a couple of days, we're going to be in this other studio, and uh, we're going to make it work. We go to great lengths to bring market foolery to exactly. Very we're, nice. not, we're not, yeah, we're not sitting on the sidelines no. saying, "Well, they're rewiring the studio, so we're just not going to do it." No, other podcasts would, would do that. <laughs> we don't. Uh, we're going to dip into the full mailbag. We're going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. But let's start with ExxonMobil's latest quarter. Fourth quarter earnings higher than expected, Taylor. Revenue down 21%, probably not a huge surprise in that regard. This is a company you watch. What do you think of the quarter? Uh, I mean, the quarter, like you said, something to expect from this company with collapsing oil prices over the last six months, seven months. Um, but it's ExxonMobil. People freaked out a little bit because they said they're going to buy $2 billion less of stock this this year uh, or this quarter coming up, but whatever. This company <laughs> has the ability. You kind of like that if you're a shareholder. I'm not, but if all they have to do is say, we're not going to buy back enough stock to keep you happy for the next three to six months, rather than worry about missing interest payments or having to take on more debt or not being able to pay their suppliers, like some smaller companies in the upstream business of oil and gas might have to do. You see some bankruptcies, I'm sure, if this persists for the ne- for another few months. But ExxonMobil is fine. They're still going to pay their 3.1% dividend. They're still going to buy back a billion dollars worth of stock, and the stock is off 16% from its 52-week high. So it's an advantageous price, I would I would imagine, compared to what they had been buying it earlier in 2014. Uh, I mean, 21% down on earnings, fine. You've seen a lot worse than that from other companies. And as I on mentioned, revenue, 21. on revenue already. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, but. Like I said, the stock's only down 16% since July versus some companies that have seen their share prices 30, 40, 50% down from their from their highs in the mid-year. This company is going to do pretty well, I imagine, coming out of this because this is where the big dogs are supposed to shine. I was going to say, it's uh, not like we should take a victory lap on that. I'm not suggesting that. But this, I mean, you look at their quarter, you look at what the stock has done, as you said, over the last six months, mm-hmm. you know, particularly since last summer. And something that we have talked about before, that it is the big behemoths who are better able to withstand a significant drop in oil price. And we're seeing it play out with ExxonMobil and their stock price. By the same token, though, should investors look at this and think, okay, well, I'm protected, in a sense, owning an ExxonMobil. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have the downside that some of these other smaller players have. But by the same token, 
this is also not a stock that's going to light the world on fire. I mean, investors shouldn't look at this and think, well, it's down 16%. Well, it can, it can pop up 20% in no time. Yeah, that's a good call. It's not going to shoot out of a cannon like some of its smaller peers might that are down 50% uh, since June or July. But Tyler Crow put up a good article a few months back about ExxonMobil since the early 1980s when Saudi Arabia did something similar. Everyone was worried about oil, peak oil. ExxonMobil total shareholder return is over 6,000% since then. So if you just, this is a buy and hold company. Um, like if you're going to buy on this oil dip, my recommendation personally would be to buy into a company like this until you are a little bit more confident that we're that we're at a low point at a nadir for oil prices. Right now, I'm not a little, I'm not too sure that we are, but long term, it's gonna it's gonna rise in my mind. But you think about this company, it hasn't made any 2015 budget cuts for for spending on capital expenditures. Pretty much everybody else that's reported has. So th- while they still can, they haven't yet because they're just going to buy back less stock while continuing to grow. Um, maybe not production, but they're going to continue to invest in the business, really focus on margins, and probably emerge a much stronger company as a result. Yeah, Simon, if shareholders are not necessarily thrilled about the fact that they are cutting back on the amount of stock they're going to buy back, I have to believe that employees at ExxonMobil are probably pretty happy about, particularly over the last couple of weeks, as we've seen really big players in the space, like Schlumberger, mm-hmm. for one, uh, coming out and saying, yeah, we're, we're, it's, it's a rough time and we're going to have to cut a few thousand jobs. Yeah, I'm still with Taylor on this. I mean, Exxon is just a financial powerhouse, some of the best capital allocators in the entire industry. Um, you said it right. You know, this is, this is a blip in the long term. Yep. Business and I, I still think they're in fi- fantastic shape. I mean, they generated 18 billion in free cash flow last year. Oh, by the w- way, which is up 68 <laughs> percent from 2013. So they're still doing what they do. Radio at fool.com is our email address. Got an email from Greg Potts in Philadelphia who writes, "I hope earnings season goes easier on Lululemon than Philly did yesterday." Talk about insult on top of injury, and he included in his email a story from last week about a Lululemon store in Center City, so right in in downtown Philly, that closed after bricks from an adjoining wall had crashed through the roof, and then after that, the store was looted. So, Oh, my God. That's that's a pretty rough one-two punch for that. (laughs) Uh, We shouldn't expect the comps from that location to to do all that well in the next quarter. A rowdy yoga studio. (laughs) Very very angry. (laughs) Namaste. Well, it is Philadelphia. True. Um, uh, But... More recently, as of this morning in the news, uh, Lululemon founder Chip Wilson, also the former chairman of the board, announced that he has stepped down completely from the board of directors. Uh, longtime listeners will remember Chip Wilson was uh, the guy who uh, famously said, quote, some women's bodies just actually don't work for our clothing. Ooh. So uh, he's not quite at the end of the spectrum that Mike Jeffries from Abercrombie and Fitch is, Simon. But we were talking about this earlier this morning. I have to believe this this goes in the plus column. The fact that he is now, yes, he's no longer the chairman, but the fact that he's completely off the board, it it probably is a slight net positive. For shareholders, yes, I agree, Chris. And you know, Groundhog Day, Puxatani Phil might have seen his shadow, but now Chris uh, Chip Wilson, excuse me, is but a shadow at Lululemon. <laughs> nice I, he is not playing nicely in the sandbox with the rest of the board of directors. 
I agree with you. This is a good move. Um, Chip Wilson, you know, he just publicly voted against their chairman last year being reelected to the board. He sold half of his stake, even in the company that he founded back in 1998. And then he said that Lululemon, he was very critical of their lack of focus on product, innovation, culture, brand, and long-term goals. This is last year when, you know, a lot of stuff's going down. But I've got to disagree with Chip Wilson on these counts. I mean, you know, he's being very critical, and it's clear that he wants to call the shots at this company. But I look back kind of since then and now of how this company has progressed, and I, I actually think they're, they're doing quite well. The management team has got everything in, in place here. As far as the brand, their Aviva brand is really appealing to teens. Uh, you know, comps for that are up almost 40% year over year. And then we've seen the and go category, which is appealing to kind of the everyday wear for uh, not just in the yoga studio. That's growing very nicely, too. So they've definitely got the brand in place. They're still fourth in retail behind Apple, Tiffany, and Coors as far as dollars per square foot of store space. Uh, maybe not that one in Philadelphia doing so well anymore. Right. The, Philly's going to pull it down a little bit. <laughs> well, fourth, that, I mean, that's... That's some good company. That is good company. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, these are smaller footprint stores that do a lot of business. You know, those are not cheap clothes. We've been right, in a little yeah. a couple of times where they're selling off the uh, the shelves. And then the other, the other long-term goal that they've really been knocking it out of the park on is online sales, Chris. Um, we've seen the direct-to-consumer channel growing very quickly, now doing 18% of total revenue on the internet. So that kind of reinforces the brand is there. People know what their size is. They know what kind of Lululemon clothes they like to buy. And they're just buying them online, which is much more profitable for this company long term. You know, if you didn't know anything about Chip Wilson, other than the fact that he was the founder and, and one-time chairman of the board, and you just looked at his criticisms, and you mentioned some of them, on the face of it, you would think, well, he's he's got a point. I mean, when you have a founder who is pushing for things like, we, we need a greater long-term focus. Well, as a general rule of thumb at The Motley Fool, we, we support that. We appreciate that. that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, that, and that's the right mindset to have. But then to your point, Simon, when you overlay the performance of the company, this is a stock that the five years going into 2013 had done incredibly well. You have a change in management, and 2013, the stock really takes a hit. 2014, a much better year. The results are there. And particularly with online growing the way it's growing, you have to believe that that's where you step back and say, okay, nothing you're saying, none of your criticisms <laughs> actually are backed up by the facts. It would be one thing if 2014 was a repeat of 2013 right. and the stock was continuing to flounder as the business floundered, but it really seems like it's bouncing back nicely. I agree, you know, Chris, and it's one thing to pound your, your hands on the table and say, I don't agree with anybody in the boardroom. You guys are a bunch of idiots. But, you know, this yeah, Christine Day, I thought she was doing a pretty good job as CEO, too. She left because of uh, not getting along with Chip Wilson. You know, now we've got Laurent Pottevenin from, uh, from Tom's Shoes. And I've, I've got to say, I think the business is, is bouncing back. We had some product quality issues last year that seemed to have worked themselves out. And long term, this is a company that I'd like to own. I, I can't be as critical of the board as, uh, as Mr. Wilson has been. And not to say that we should look at the world through rose-colored glasses and just think, well, no, everyone just needs to get along. But, you know, sometimes it's really healthy and productive for a business to have disagreement in the boardroom. Mm-hmm. But there comes a point where it just becomes a distraction, and it's no longer helpful. And it sounds like, again, it's a net positive that that distraction is is now off the boards. So the Super Bowl was yesterday. 
condolences to any of our listeners in Seattle. Uh, congratulations to any of our listeners in the greater Boston area. Um, if you missed the game, heck of a game. Yeah, I thought it was 28-24. entertaining. New England wins. Very exciting down the stretch. And Pete Carroll, who's the coach of the Seattle Seahawks, has come under fire for what some are calling, and by some I mean many are calling, the worst call in Super Bowl history. And again, if you missed the game, there's less than a minute to go. The Seahawks are on the one-yard line. They have, by most people's belief, the best running back in all of pro football in Marshawn Lynch. And the thought is, well, gosh, we're just going to hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch, and he's going to plow into the end zone. And instead, uh, Pete Carroll or his offensive coordinator or someone, but Pete Carroll is taking the fall as the head coach, saying, this was my decision, decided, well, we're going to pass the ball. The ball gets intercepted. The Patriots win. So uh, CNBC was doing this this morning, and I thought, gosh, that's a good idea. We'll just steal it from CNBC. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and that is worst business call. For, for those saying Pete Carroll has made the worst call in Super Bowl history, and, and we don't have to go all of business history. It can be the last 20, 30 years, something like that. But Taylor, when you look back on singular business decisions by a public company that you think, this is on the short list, short list of the worst calls ever, what sure. are you going with? Well, let me preface this with saying I don't think it was the worst call in in Super Bowl history. I think it was probably a decent call, just bad execution. That being said, I have two uh, pretty terrible calls from the boardroom or the C-suite, <laughs> wherever they came from. Uh, first, AOL Time Warner merger. Uh, at the time, the biggest, maybe still the biggest merger ever, $350 billion. Nine years later, AOL is its own company again, and they erased $100 billion in shareholder value. How old were you when that was going on, by the way? You were you had 2000? Yeah, you were what? In, were you in middle school then? I was in uh, high school. High school. Yeah. I was on AOL. Okay. Yeah, so there we go. I vividly remember, because I was at the Motley Fool yeah, at the time. they were the, pretty tied the to... The excitement uh, in the public markets on Wall Street about that merger, it is almost impossible to overstate, <laughs> because you had the one-two punch of... Well, it's the upstart internet company mm-hmm. that is acquiring the established content company. But then beyond that, it was, <laughs> this makes perfect sense. <laughs> Time Warner has all this content. AOL needs content. Synergy, synergy, synergy. Not. <laughs> Didn't really work out. Sorry. And your second so, one? So, yeah, my second one, um, a little bit more recent and a little bit more unfortunate, uh, the BP Gulf of Mexico uh, disaster, hastily rushing to drill those wells, and unfortunately, one led to the spill and some pretty terrible facts. Over 200 million gallons of oil spilled, 11 people died. BP's on the hook for 40 billion dollars and charged off fines that they have on their books. Had to sell about 40 billion dollars worth of assets, so a completely different company just five years later, and a lot of animals and 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 nature were severely harmed or killed off, completely killed off. Um, so those are my two. Simon? Well, Chris, at Rule Breakers, we're always looking for the next big thing. And uh, the, the worst call that I saw was clearly a prediction of what was not going to be the next big thing. Let's go back in time to 1980. AT&T commissions McKinsey to do a study of the growing mobile phone market, asking if they should get in, involved in this and to forecast the number of cell phone subscribers that there would be in the United States by the year 2000. McKinsey believes that the mobile phone market is nothing but a novelty for the highest end of users <laughs> and predicts by the year 2000, 900,000 mobile phone subscribers in the United States. 
Uh, AT&T falls behind the competition, has, ends up having to make an acquisition of Macaw Cellular in 1994 for $13 billion to get back into the space. And the actual figure of cell phone subscribers in the year 2000 in the United States was 109 million <laughs> subscribers. Just a bit m- short. M- more than 99% error. Um, that's my worst call, even though I like McKinsey still as a company. There's probably 900,000 third graders with cell phones right now. <laughs> Very true. In 1980, <laughs> see, the, the thing about that story that blows my mind is that they were looking to project 20 years out yeah. <laughs> as opposed to five or 10 years out or something like yeah. that. That just, and give, and I know we have the benefit of hindsight right now, but even then we had a sense, we collectively, in the, you know, people in the business world had a sense of the speed with which technological advances take place. I, I like to think there was at least one person at AT&T high up involved in this that said, wait a minute, do we really want to look 20 years out? Yeah. Because we might be setting ourselves up for a problem here. Uh, the one I'm going to throw out is, um, I think I've mentioned this before, but it's, but it's, it's worth repeating. Um, and that is Starbucks. In July of 1999, uh, shares of Starbucks fell 28% in a single day. Jeez. Obviously, it was a much smaller company then. But the reason it fell so much is, is, was the one-two punch of a quarter that didn't quite meet expectations in terms of it, its earnings. But then on the conference call, and this, ladies and gentlemen, is why conference calls matter. Because, <laughs> and we've seen this cut both ways. We saw this recently, uh, just last week, with Google, where the, the CFO gets on the conference call and essentially convinces the analysts on the call that the quarter they had wasn't so bad and the money they're spending isn't so bad. And, and if you look at a chart of what happened with Google stock, they come out with their earnings release, the mm-hmm. stock drops, and then the call starts and essentially the CFO convinces everybody, you know what, it's not that bad. So this was snake the, oil. This was the opposite of that. This was Howard <laughs> Schultz, founder and CEO uh, of Starbucks, getting on the conference call, talking about the evolution of Starbucks business to become, quote, the premier lifestyle portal on the internet. So yeah, we're still selling coffee, but Starbucks.com is going to be a lifestyle portal, Simon, where you can buy your luxury furniture. We're going to take on Amazon, all this stuff. And rightly so, analysts said, are you out of your mind? <laughs> a little bit too much coffee that morning. Does it all smell like coffee? <laughs> That's right. and, and proof that, that Howard Schultz and his team learned from their mistakes. They quickly reversed course and said, yeah, you know what? Maybe we'll just get back to selling coffee. We'll leave the internet to AOL. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Simon Erickson, Taylor Brockman. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Forward. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 